Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Modern Workplace Hacks podcast. Today, we've got a guest on, Dan Smith. He's an executive leadership and recruitment specialist, 15 years in the industry. And we have a chat to Dan about all things recruitment, leadership, um, how this COVID pandemic is going to affect recruitment, if it is going to affect recruitment, um, and generally how people are engaged in business. So have a listen. Dan's got some great insights. Um, look forward to your feedback. Welcome to another Workplace Hacks with uh, Tom and uh, Josh. Tom, how are you today? Good, mate. How are you? Good, thank you. Good, good. And uh, we've got a special guest today. Dan Smith um, has been uh, nice enough to drop into the office and, and come and have a chat to us. Um, Dan's um, 15 years in executive leadership and recruitment, um, has a wealth of knowledge. And I thought, Tom, we've been talking a lot about leadership over the last few weeks. And, and with this pandemic, I think it's more important than ever to be a, a good leader and a strong leader. And I was, yeah, I'm looking forward to some of Dan's insights on, on what he's seen out there and the execs he's been dealing with. So, Dan, I'd love you to give our listeners just a bit of a, you know, they say, what is it? The 60-second elevator speech. But elevator just pitch. The elevator pitch, the bit about you. I know you're a mad basketball fan, so I'm going to I'm gonna throw that in as well. I'm curious to know your observations of Michael Jordan. Tom and I, as non-basketball people, have been watching and just, I've been right uh, into it. It's been great. Yeah, yeah, it's really good, actually. I, yeah, mind-blowing how big basketball is in America, and especially in the 90s. I was just, and how talented he was. And uh, Tommy, I watched that one last night that you said to watch on Monday, and, yeah, I do love that last, the last lines. <laughs> well, it was, um, it was, have you you've seen it, Dan? You've been watching yeah, it? Yeah, I've been watching yeah. it. Yeah, yeah the, the comment he made, I think it was the second last episode that was just shown, where he's talking about he wanted to win so bad and also bring the team through as well, which is why he was such a hard ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was, it was interesting. Like his drive is insane. I've, I've never seen anything like it from a documentary perspective. Yeah, and they capture, they capture it so well. And the other thing I loved is when he said that that line, Tom. And then he said, "But I wouldn't expect anyone to do something I wouldn't do." Yeah. And yeah. I was the first at the gym, and I was punching as hard as everyone else was punching, and I just expected everyone to be at that level. Yeah. And I was like, "I respect that so much." You know, that's great leadership. So yeah, it's funny how he's had such a an influence on the next generation of players. You know, players like. Kobe in the late 90s and 2000s yeah. and then, you know, probably more recently, like the LeBrons of the world and so on, where yeah. they all kind of modelled that work ethic and that. Amazing, isn't it? That sort of drive that he had. Yeah, and I love when they um, when Kobe talked about him and said in that game he offered, he said, mate, if you ever need anything, give me a call. And I think, Tom, we've, we've really been trying to employ that over this pandemic is good leaders have an open door policy. You know, there's nothing we won't share, just ask me. Ask me what you want to know and let me help you, you know. And I think MJ, he lived that. It was awesome. Anyway, sorry, Dan, got <laughs> sidetracked. <laughs> Tom and I do this on the podcast. Listeners love it. We're here. <laughs> so, yeah, tell, us, tell yeah. us a bit about you and your story. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, yes, yeah, so I've been in recruitment for 13, 14 years now, I think. Um Originally in the IT space, but in the in the executive space for the last, you know, six probably six or seven years, um, you know, working across a whole range of industries, um, typically at board and, and senior leadership 
level. Um, my passion is always, you know, again, coming back to that sporting background, my passion has always been leadership and um, hence the sort of transition, you know, a few years back into that executive space was, yeah. for me, the opportunity to move into working with leaders every day yeah. was what I wanted to do. So, um, yeah, that's I spend my days having conversations with people about leadership and helping organisations, you know, identify and attract and develop Great leaders. Great leaders. Yeah, awesome. That's what, what is it that what is it that when you're from that recruitment perspective that that you're looking at in a great leader for a business? What's what are sort of some of those alignment pieces you, you look for? Obviously, there's a people and and culture alignment needed to to get a good leader to drive a business or a or a team. Yeah, I think uh, good question. I think it's you know I I generally have a a pretty good feel in the first few minutes of a conversation. You know, when the way that someone talks about themselves as a leader and um, and probably just as importantly talks about their team and it gives you a pretty, for me, it gives me a, a pretty clear picture of the type of leader they are Yeah. without necessarily that being a question and what are those sort of characteristics that you identify that that i suppose they identify that are that are the thing is that really what you're chasing? yeah i mean is well i suppose we, we extended is there sort of is there common characteristics that that you look for in those people that you go okay they've got this this and this so there's there's immediately a sort of something we can can work with or mm. yeah i think um, certainly from what I've seen over the years, there are a certain type of leader who who are able to engender that loyalty from their, from their people. Yep. Um, yep. Regardless of the situation, regardless of the complexity of the organisation or the role or, or any challenges that the, the company might be facing, there are certain leaders who their teams will follow them anyway. Yep. And yep. you often see that when someone moves on, is that when they go to a new role, half the team, you know, it's not necessarily straight away, but yeah. but the trickle of of that next layer down, and maybe that mid level managers, yeah. who slowly, you know, yeah, kind of across. Do, do you reckon that's a um, is that is that innate in people, or is it a or is it a learnt? Can you learn that as as a leader? I think it's learnt. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's. Um, you know, I remember years ago someone. Uh, I was at a leadership event and someone kind of described it as being leadership isn't something that no one's perfect at it and it's kind of a, it's a lifelong learning. You know, you can always pick up something and even when you know, you know, the good and bad ways to go about things, sometimes the way you react, you you make mistakes on a daily basis. Yeah. regardless of how experienced you are as a leader. And yeah. so, yeah, I don't think there's ever that perfection. Yeah. Um, it's something that's kind of... You're always looking for So, so that's probably the other part of it is, is what makes a good leader is someone who understands that you've got to work on it every single day. Yeah. yeah. You've got to be a student of leadership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good, that's I like fun. that, yeah. Yeah. Someone yeah. who's, who's it, there's got to be a level of in, inquisitive in there, I guess, as well. They've got to so, want to understand themselves, understand their team, understand the business. Like it's just that that's where that constant learning comes from, I guess. 
self-awareness is a big part. Yeah, Understanding, sure. you know, again, what your own strengths and weaknesses are, but also being able to analyze, again, when you make those mistakes along the way, what works, or all the good things that you do as well, so that yep. you can keep doing those things. Yeah. Um, I think that emotional intelligence, that's that's something I talk a lot about with, with clients is, um, you know, during a, during a search process is identifying people with that emotional intelligence, self-awareness, yeah. et cetera, that yeah. are going to make them people who want to keep getting better. Yeah, yeah. sure. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's interesting. It's that mentality. And, uh, yeah, I think I, I totally agree. The, the best leaders I've seen are guys that are incrementally always trying to find that next level and um, and also for their team, mm-hmm. find that next level for their team, which is, yeah, really interesting. With, um, with this... Obviously, this COVID thing is happening at the moment. Um, leadership, in my mind, is changing a bit. I know we've seen it. Um, you know, the example is right now. You know, um, like for us, we have a call every day now, so it's not like you see them in the office. What have you identified that that uh, out there with leaders, and and how are they embracing that? And and is there a is there any sort of tips and tricks? I suppose that you've seen great leaders implement with remote staff, because yeah. I suppose from a technology provider point of view where we can enable it but uh i suppose sometimes we don't get to see the other side which is how a an exec team or a a team as a whole um deals with utilizing it um the technology's there it's, it's awesome um but how does that change the dynamic of the workplace yeah i mean uh, i think it's interesting because the technology's been around for a long time. Right? Yeah, yeah. And there are companies who have embraced. Yeah. There, are, there are companies that have embraced remote working for years. Yeah. And then there's been the opposite companies who have have shied away from it, and that's both, you know, from small businesses through to, to larger corporates. Larger yeah. corporates. Um, whereas some have been were were early adopters years ago. Yeah. So I think something like this current COVID situation. It's forced that change for people. Yeah, for the organisations who didn't already utilise things like whether it's Zoom or, or Teams or Google Hangouts or whatever it is in terms of their meetings. And yeah, um, yeah, I, I think it's it, it drives. It's driven that change quickly. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in, in saying that, there's a lot of organisations who have been doing it for years, so it hasn't yeah. necessarily affected. Yeah, I think it's it's it comes to a there's an element of the um, the personal aspect as well where people aren't and and when we look at it at a leadership level, I don't think that there's a lot of people that aren't comfortable in this. How do I how do I lead a team when they're not physically sitting next to me? Because there's I think there's there's some people that use their present their physical presence to drive yeah. a team, which you can't do in a in a remote workplace, regardless how good your video tech is. Um, but that, that's sort of, that's the individual as well who would be resistant to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I yeah. think... Have you seen that? Or? Yeah, and I, and I think there's been a lot of commentary around how this will change the workforce going forward. Yeah. Um, you know, conversations around whether or not some companies will go back to an office environment, etc. And I, And I think... I think maybe that's overstated a little bit, given yep. that not everyone is suited to working from home. Not everyone, yep. not everyone works well in that environment. Yep. Um, certainly, if you look over the last, you know, couple of months of this, this COVID 
um, shutdown has been going on, you see everyone sort of the jokes around or, or the conversations around um, people who've got kids at home, et cetera, those distractions are obviously a lot different to, yeah. um, you know, if you, if you don't have that that distraction every yeah. day. Yeah. Um, I, I think it will change workplaces, but I don't think it's going to eliminate offices. And, and yeah, so yeah, I think, yeah. I think it's not a hundred percent flick to the other side. Yeah. You know, I think will it potentially long-term drive a move away from say everyone having a set desk that they go to. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. probably a, a likelihood, maybe not straight away given yeah. the whole yeah. risk of hygiene and got to wipe yeah, hands yeah. and all yeah, that but, sort of stuff. But yeah. Long, yeah. Long-term, I think, and these companies out there have done it. Hot desks aren't going to be for hippies anymore. I think Suncorp <laughs> did it years ago where yeah. they cut, you know, 25% of their desks, I think it was 20 or 25% of the desks and gave everyone the opportunity of, of you know, working remotely, et cetera, sometimes. Yes. But that meant that they could consolidate the multiple offices they had and, and yeah. um, save themselves some some costs around that. Yeah. Um, it does give people some flexibility. So, yeah. you know, it, it allows them to work from home one or two days a week yeah. or, you know, mornings, afternoons, et cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think long-term, it'll, that's the sort of impact it'll have. The impact, it, yeah. It won't necessarily be. I say that's the opportunity as well for for organisations and businesses to offer that flexibility. I guess if if they yeah. can, that I suppose that allows them to attract better talent in some instances. Absolutely, those yeah, that, exactly. that want that flexibility if the business can structure and, and work around it. Yeah. Um, so I think there's there's always opportunities at the end of it. And, and again, you know, bringing it back to a leadership point of view, I, I think for leaders who maybe rely on micromanagement and so on, that will yeah that will be a real issue. You know, yeah. they won't yeah. again, going back to what you're saying, Tom, around things like attracting talent and so on, is yeah. that if if the type of leader that, that's in that role isn't um, isn't the sort of person who's going to embrace remote working and, and bring out the best in people who are remote, yeah. then they probably won't benefit from that sort of thing. Whereas For sure. Leaders who, again, uh, um, hiring the right people, putting yeah. trust in them to get the job done, then, yeah. um, being there obviously for guidance and so on. But mm. you know, who are able to step back and let let good people get their job done. Then, yeah, I think remote working just it, it just offers a um, another incentive for people. I think there's a great opportunity there for people to be more autonomous and take more responsibility for what they do yeah. and just own that. And I think that's a that's a great thing within any workforce. Is there any I, I look um, at our, sorry, I look at ours, Josh, yeah. even in our yeah. example where I know me, I've it's allowed me to be better delegator in that sense and allow the team to go and do what it is I expect them and want them to do. Because yeah. I think we've discussed it like in the past. If I'm sitting in the office and I hear a conversation I'll go, oh, hang on, maybe I'll offer my bit of advice or I'll jump in it and then suddenly that becomes my issue so I'm not doing what I need to do and the team aren't feeling confident in just running and doing what they need to do. Whereas now I don't hear any of those conversations, I don't see it, I don't need to see it and things are getting done better than they were before. So it's it's interesting and it's a big learning in that sense. You just got to, it allows, it's forced us to let go and I know yeah. as a as a business owner, 
that's always the number one challenge of of scaling a business is you got to be able to let go and let yeah, those absolutely. people you've employed to go and do it. Yeah, and I think that's a good point around, you know, maybe the difference as well between bigger businesses and and smaller businesses where, you know, often smaller businesses, the business owner can be the um, the blockage. Yeah. Uh, not in every organisation, but they yeah, can yeah. be because yeah. everything rests on them, right? Well, they can only do so much absolutely, as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, again, it can be a big learning curve. Some will have, as you just talked about, Tom, some like yourself have noticed or you've obviously got the awareness and the ability to see that it's had a positive impact. Um, some won't. You know, that's, mm. yeah. that's kind of. Yeah. So, you, you know, your business is more likely to, to thrive coming out of this yeah. than others who for sure um, maybe struggle in their environment. And, and yeah. that's a big mind. That's a mindset shift as well. And a lot of that, as you, I think you touched on earlier, it's personal growth to be able to to yeah. achieve that. And and people, I guess, sometimes are so caught up in what they have to do today that they're not that again. What you said that that level of awareness or self awareness yeah. just doesn't allow them to think that. And yeah, it's and it's not just, easy. It's not easy to let go. I'm not saying nah. that, but it's um. Yeah. But look for the opportunity and look for the benefit. I think. Yeah, you're right. Uh, we're we're well positioned. Yeah, I, for I think, sure. I think the other part of it is that it's hard to measure. You know, mm. it's yes, it's going to have an impact, a positive impact. Yeah. But where where along the way do you where can you measure the the increase in revenue or yep. the increase in the profit profit line? You know, yep. it, it's does it come you know in one month one of the transition or does it come in month 12 or for sure the second you know that's, year 10 that's, it comes in year 10 yeah <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's, that's overnight success that's the challenge yeah. right like it, it's something like that where you're talking about you know things like personal development self-awareness all yeah. those types of things is that it's hard to see the impact of it it's hard yep. to see the, the tangible income impact yeah um for the for the business until you know, yeah, yeah, there is a there is a delay, and, and it's a cycle as well because you'll go through and and I've seen it. I mean, over the years, it's you cycle through. Okay, I'm at a point where I have released, and then then something changes in the business, or um, there is growth, and suddenly, as as the owner, well, you're not quite in that level where you can put someone in, so you end up going back on and back into the business, and then you end up having the same issues again at a different level. So it's it's yes. very. Um, there's, there's a cycle in it, I think, as well at times. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. I agree with that. Tom and I, Dan, I love your insight on this. Tom and I have been talking a lot about, um, you know, obviously we've seen now that we're transitioning back into people going back into offices. And we've spoken a lot about, even in our organisation, about giving staff the option of wanting to work at home, wanting to, and the hybrid approach, like for myself, I'm finding I, I like to come to the office a couple of days a week, yeah. um, but I also like to get stuff done at home and just lock myself away. I've got a good setup at home, so I'm not distracted. I can kind of get work done. Um, we'd love your insights on what, what you've seen out there and conversations you've had around the way different people are approaching it, because I think... You know, it's great that people maybe had some self-awareness, but it's very easy just to slide straight back into old habits. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. I actually had a conversation with someone yesterday who they are looking at, again, this kind of slowly scaling back into yep. 
bringing people back into the office and so on. And they were thinking that the, their plan was to do um, kind of a staged approach to bring people back. And they asked for volunteers uh, to come back, uh, I think, as, as of next week or the week after. Yeah. Um, and no, no one volunteered. <laughs> so, so, you know why? Because all their kids are going back to school, so now they'll be able to actually get some work done at home. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah it's true. It's hundred percent, and I think there is a bit of something in that. They give it another month, and then they'll get actually sick of working at home by themselves. Right. Then they'll want to go back to the office. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And again, yeah. I think it also depends on the type of role. Yeah. Um. You know, is it something that the person is is a little bit more, you know, they work a little bit more autonomously and, and whatever space that happens to be in, or is yeah. it more of a role where they're part of a team and, and they miss that that yeah. you know, that aspect the is probably going to drive people back to the office. If it's someone who, you know, mostly works by themselves anyway, even yeah. if they're part of a bigger team and, and have a have a leader above them, et cetera, if most of what they do is kind of autonomous, yeah. They may not want to come back no, to the office. Yeah, yeah. And it's sure. the type of business as well. I mean, obviously, in that professional services space, which is more that you could probably can facilitate more remote work and at home and flexibility versus mm. a manufacturing and or certainly that, that sort of stuff. I mean, that's that's all hands on in, in that sense yeah. construction and, and that. But I think I think it's it's about the businesses looking at uh, obviously giving people that choice. I think is beneficial, but what does and doesn't work because you've had eight weeks now to really look at what what actually doesn't work yeah and can that be fixed with people will it be fixed by people going back or are we just hiding the issues again mm. um or can we fix those to continue to allow people to do that yeah yeah for sure for sure for sure yeah that's interesting and what um the longer term trends you're saying i suppose in your sphere, um, obviously, you know, predominantly in that, that leadership and um, recruitment space, is, is there people starting to feel confident again about moving forward or they're everyone sort of waiting to see? Yeah, I think, I mean, recruitment generally is, is pretty quiet at the moment unless yeah. you're in a space that the business model hasn't yeah. fundamentally been Mining impacted. Or something like you that. know, something yeah. like healthcare or aged yeah. care or something is... Yeah. is um, you know, talking to someone in aged care yesterday, and they, apart from obviously having to follow certain um, restrictions and so on, yeah. they haven't, their business has hasn't changed, increased or decreased. It's just, yeah. it's still there, right? Yeah. Um, healthcare is probably the opposite. It's actually probably gone up. You know, they need more, yeah. um, you know, healthcare professionals given, yeah. given the increase of, of, you know, health cases and so on. Um, I think most other industries, I was actually reading a, a, a survey yesterday or, or a report from a survey that I think interviewed a couple of hundred Australian CEOs. And, yep. and, you know, it was interesting to see that there was, uh, I think, 20, 25% of those CEOs um, made the comment that this hasn't impacted their revenue or, um, or in fact, it's had a positive impact on their revenue. Yeah, wow. Um, and then there was another sort of, I think 35% that it's kind of not changed. So it's, it's, yeah. business, it's kind of ticked along. Yeah. Um, and then it was only sort of 35 or 38% or something that it had, had a negative impact. So yeah. 
No, it it should have been very industry specific as well. Yes, yeah, certainly. But so when you look at what's happened. Yeah, it does show though that there is there is space. You know, I guess industries out there who this won't have affected apart from you know changes to to structure, policy, whether it's people yeah. working at home or yeah. um, you know how they do meetings and all those types of things. It yeah, has yeah. actually impacted. Their, their revenue or, or yeah, interesting. Yeah. Do, do you think, Dan, moving forward as it, as it comes out, that it's going to change the way people recruit and the type of people they're looking for, particularly in leadership roles, like the whether it's skill set or personality type? We touched on those that are more comfortable managing remote teams, but is there? Do you see a big change in what people will look for? Um, good question. I I, I don't think it's going to change in terms of of leadership roles as such. I think the trends that have been going on over the last few years anyway it will, will continue in terms of, um, you know, I think people who are able to, you know, if they come out of a particular, whichever vertical background they come out of, whether it's if it's a CFO or, or HR or IT or whatever their space is, um, and they're now the CFO or HR director or CIO, et cetera, People who are able to communicate across the business, you know, people who are able to, yep. to work outside their, their kind of silo. Yeah. But that that's not driven by this current no. climate. It's it's a trend that's been going on for years now. Yeah, yeah. Um Tom, to answer your question, maybe at the kind of lower to mid-level of organizations as opposed to the leadership level. Yep. Um, I think potentially more of an uptake in things like freelancers and, yep. and um, yeah. contractors and so on, as opposed that to gig economy uh, type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed, and now again, that's that trend has started a few years ago, but to accelerate, will, will this will this drive or or accelerate the move away from that sort of permanent workforce? Yeah, um, yeah. Again, which has already started, but, yeah, but whether that will accelerate it? Yeah. Um, if you can have remote workers and they can be based anywhere then yeah then it does away with things like if something like this happens how do you suddenly shift all your workforce to out of the office to, to being at home yeah and, and it's a balancing act i know for us getting that balance right between permanent staff contract staff or gig sort of good of people um and i think that's really important to maintain is is getting that balance right because you don't want to obviously have your a whole reliance on you and then 15 people that you just call on when you need them. Um, mm. it, it's not really designed for us. It's not really going to help you scale or, or manage that business, but um, mm. there's certainly getting them in the right spot at the right times. Yeah. yeah. And it can be a good way to kind of, it can be a good intro for both sides as well, for, for, yeah. the, for the employee and for the employer, where if, if it's a, whether it's a contract role or, or a, um, freelancing or something like that and, yeah. and, both sides agree after a period that you know what they're a really good fit. Yeah. Um, there's no reason it can't. Yeah. You know. Do you, do you think there's a chance on the flip side of that of that that style of work actually reducing because people with a with an element of fear going well if this happens again I would rather be working for a government department or a big enterprise or whatever for perceived safety. Yeah. Yeah. I, from an employer point of view. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I see. I actually wonder if it's going to be the opposite, though. I wonder yeah. if this has shown that 
in some sectors where staff have been let go or laid off, etc. Yeah. Where the perception of working for in a permanent role, the perception yep. of security, the perception of of long term was not real at all. Uh, yeah. As soon as something like this happens, yeah, you know, it's it's impacted and, and businesses have had to make decisions around Interesting. reducing staff. And so I actually wonder if it's the opposite in terms of not only increasing that sort of gig economy and, and freelancers and consultants and so on, yeah. but also potentially uh, I suspect it probably drives the next, like the next kind of phase of entrepreneurs as well. Like yeah. people who decide that they don't want to rely on one income source or, or, or rely on a business that are as, as loyal as they are to them yeah. at some point in time. May be affected by yeah. something like this. Mm, Whereas if they, can, if they yeah. can control their own destiny, yeah. then... They can hedge. Yeah. 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 And, and, Interesting. and I think the other part to it is that I think one of the other things that this will drive in terms of the whole COVID-19 and, and the impacts of it and so on is that it it probably it's probably a reminder to business, particularly smaller businesses, but um, but even even bigger businesses as well around being lean. Yeah. Um, yeah. And looking or looking at overheads and so on, and not um, not carrying extra overheads for the sake of it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Being being lean gives them better, a better opportunity, a better chance of coming out of something like this. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. And take the reality and is this is going to happen again. This is yeah, yeah. This, this yeah, is yeah. this is this is the way life's going to be. But I think also is that you know I had this conversation with someone yesterday that this is a much more global example in terms of you know pretty much the world. You know, obviously travel's being restricted. Yeah. You know, people have been um, locked down in their homes and lots of stuff. Some countries stricter lockdown than others, but. But for the most part, the global economy has has kind of ground to a, to a halt, right? Yeah. Um, but but every year, different countries or different industries within countries um, are impacted by smaller things, right? It's not yeah, it's, it's not yeah. public. It's not in the media like this. It's not yeah. global. Yeah. But that's what drives change and disruption in in different industries. Yeah. Every year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you see. You know, some organisations come out of it, some don't. Yep. Um, it the tends to drive. Stuff. It tends to drive opportunities as well. Yep. Um, regardless of, yeah, what market it is or what industry it is, there are always some companies that are able to, you know, they're in the right position in the first place to take advantage of, of opportunities. And yep. I don't see this being any different. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That's great insight. Yeah. Really good insight. Yeah, so uh, I think there's um there's a, a number of viewpoints, and we're we're definitely seeing. I know um Tom and I've been speaking a lot about the, the word opportunity mm-hmm. uh, because we we really believe that for people that that look at this the right way, it's a great opportunity yeah. um, to to really seize and work on. I know from an organisational point of view, um, for us, you know, Tom's been working very hard over the last twenty four months to to lean the ship that we run and and make it much more in alignment and, and you know I think that's that's definitely put us in a good position. So uh, yeah, those points are smack on for sure, mm. for sure. 
Yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah, it's uh, going to be. I, I like that. It's 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 made me think what what you've said about potentially people going into that more gig based economy and and probably a lot more people having that side hustle. I guess of okay, well, I'm going to go do whatever it is at at night and 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 build my own level of control and wealth, um, which I think potentially then has the impact of um, reducing the talent pool to some extent in that full-time or that traditional employment method and, and businesses will have to adapt to use that type of skill set on demand. Yeah. And um, also the types of people who do that, you know, yeah. the types of people who are more likely to go out and, and start a business, um, you know, they, they bring a different insight to others who might not be the, yeah. the same sort of personality or mindset to go out and do that. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I, I've, I've seen it both for myself um, in the past as well as as organisations I've worked with where it can be really beneficial having people who have owned their own business or Mm. have their own business because they bring a different mindset. Um, They tend to treat it more like their own business as well. Yeah. Um, They understand the pressures of, you know, cash flow and all the the things that businesses face every day. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think they tend to sort of, go about it in a different way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's an interesting comment because sometimes you do want your staff to walk in your shoes a bit, yep. like feel that, you know. like it's, it's, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's definitely the balance. I mean, it's, it's, it's you can't expect employees to to do what, what I do as an owner, but you kind of want them to see what it takes to do that. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, that, that's where a massive disconnect can come in and it is a challenge. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, we uh, we obviously have a, a, a team that we that there's our team that is offshore that isn't in in Australia. Can you see a trend around uh, you know places like Australia and America and other big economies doing doing more of that? Do you think, or do you think it, the opposite effect would happen, which is yeah, I'm just curious about. It's a good question. From your last remarks, yeah. Um, I mean, the whole onshore, offshore shift is is kind of. I guess it's kind of gone through its peaks and troughs. Yep. Yeah. And offshore has been around for for years, right? Yeah. And, and um, you see, you know, particularly bigger corporates, some of them have gone through these phases of they've they've gone offshore and then years later they've brought it back in house and yeah, you know, it's kind of a. Again, it probably depends on the business and what the drivers are. Is it is it purely around cost, which is generally why they're offshoring it? Yeah. Is it around customer experience and and so on? In which case, they're probably bringing it back. Yeah. Onshore. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, again, I think it's there'll be some who who view this as an opportunity to bring things back back onshore. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think that's going to be a wide spread thing because yeah that the whole cost driver the cost structuring around it yeah yeah yeah, well i I look at um i look at telstra as an example so during this they lost their entire call center Mm -hmm. which is all in the philippines because they they really had no contingency and no visibility like who would have thought that no one's no one Mm -hmm. is actually ever going to be able to make to the office for eight weeks yeah. Um, and they lost whole departments that they they've just shut down. Like you cannot yeah. get an MBN service through Telstra at the moment because right. their whole MBN provisioning team 
was in the Philippines and they can't get to the office to work. Mm-hmm. So that's it. I mean, Telstra is saying now they're, they're recruiting onshore to grade, which I think for them is, is probably good in, in that customer service experience piece. But no doubt, as soon as it's available, I'll flick back, which they've made comment to anyway. But, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, yeah it's, it's interesting. I mean, the offshoring gives people flexibility, but you're still going to manage that, that mm-hmm. business continuity and recovery and stuff like that. And I don't think anyone sort of expected and no one could have expected what was about to happen mm-hmm. um, and the impact it would have. But, yeah. Um, and I don't think that's a need to drive it back on shore. Um, it's certainly a need to look at what, how your split is, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, and that's probably more the, the right thing because offshoring works in, in the right environments and, and the structure behind it and all that sort of stuff. But you've got to have that mix right because you don't want to be wholly reliant on it, which is where I think Telstra ended up being. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, 100%. And again, whether it's the onshoring, offshoring question or whether it's the balance between permanent staff and, and you know, freelancers, con- contractors, consultants, et cetera, it's kind of it, – this probably highlights, again, the need to kind of find that – the balance, you yep. know, somewhere in the middle Find of that. The balance, yeah. Yeah. Do you risk, you know, there, there is the the opportunity for cost savings and so on, but there's also the risk management around what if something goes wrong. Yeah, for sure, for sure, absolutely. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Dan, it's been good having you on. No worries. Um, where do our listeners find um, Dan, Dan Smith? What's the best uh, place? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, very active on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, I sort of, yeah, generally... LinkedIn's the proactive and, and um, share a bit of content around leadership and so on. So if anyone ever fancies a, a conversation around leadership or, or coffee, yep, fantastic. Find you on LinkedIn. Dan, Excellent. thanks so much. Thanks, Dan. It's been great. Thanks, James. Thanks, Tom. Cheers. Speak soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Modern Workplace Hacks podcast. Hope you got some value. We'd really love for you to subscribe to the podcast or follow us on YouTube and LinkedIn. Look forward to bringing you some more episodes soon.